this uh, Sunday school class, and let's pray for Danielle this morning. I'm going to ask um, Dennis Richards, would you open our time today and just and lift Danielle up as well as you ask a blessing on this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us each and every day. We thank you for today, Lord, this beautiful day that you've given us to come here. And we thank you for hearing our prayers, Lord, and we answer them as you see fit. We pray, Lord, that you help Daniel on that issue that's going on. Only you know, and only you can take care of it. That you give the wisdom to the doctors or anyone that counselors, anyone that needs to be in contact with the family. First Timothy, please. First Timothy 4. We've been talking about this theme that's all throughout the scriptures of the renewing of the mind, the transforming of our minds. And today's topic in the, in the study is, you know, what's on your mind? And it's also watching out for the laziness that creeps into our thinking. How many of you have ever found sometimes it's just easier not to think about things, right? You know what I'm talking about? And I think we live in a time where people are thinking, it, well, I guess it depends where you are, but in some ways we have, a people, we have people that are thinking a lot, but they're thinking thoughts that go against God's word. But then I think there's a lot of like the masses, if you will. I think we're in a time of downplayed thinking where, in what ways? Do you agree with me, disagree with that, or... <laughs> that's not bad yeah somebody else like what do you think about the state of thinking or thought in our culture today that's around us well I guess you said it all right there you gave us a bumper sticker statement and that was all we needed so Where do you think that comes from? What influences that? They're, they're, so they haven't thought it through. Right. I agree with that. That's what I thought you were going to say. Like, I feel it, and so then I express it, and but I haven't necessarily thought all of it out, thought through it. What else about the state of thinking today? That's called confirmation bias. And social media feeds confirmation bias because this is a, if, most of you probably know this, but some of you may not. The way that the, the social media artificial intelligence works is if you like something, it's going to do what? Pump you more and more and more of that type of information. Now, why do they do that? Well, there's a profit motive because they want to keep you hooked so you can see the ads that go and then you click and you know all that. There's an economic part to it. But they'll feed you this stuff. 
we know our phones are listening to us, right? You say, um, you know, I could really use a burrito. You know, we haven't had tacos in a long time. Next thing you know, there's 15 taco ads popping up on your phone, and um, you're sitting down at Taco Bell. You know, that's just what happens. But yeah, I think there's a lot of confirmation bias. What I, what, if I want it to be this way, I'm going to find sources who agree with me. Honestly, it's really hard to be a truly objective thinker. Don't, don't you think? I mean, it's really hard. Really hard. Um, what else about the state of thought or thinking today? Oh. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and you see this on all sides and all viewpoints. Like, we're constantly told that, well, this is what we believe, and everybody's against us, and we've got to fight against it. And it's just, you're right, negative thinking permeates culture. It's, we live in a very news-saturated day. And the news feeds our negativity. I agree with that. I think there's a lot of negative thinking. What else about the state of thinking today? Uh, there's a couple thoughts I would get have. One is everything is like microwaved, right? Like what I mean by that is if you wanted to really understand something, even when I was a kid, like even 30, 40, 50 years ago, if you wanted to really understand something, what did you have to do? You couldn't Google it. That's what I'm saying. Like, you couldn't Google it. That, I'm glad you said that because there was, Jim, you should know there was no Google back then, right? So, so um, we're, we're laughing with you. We're not, it was, huh? Joe said you're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you had to, like, card, you remember the card catalog at the library? Like that was like part of my education. It's like you have to learn how to use these cards and go through them all. And, and I remember like literally, it was kind of fun as a kid. Maybe you hated it, but I thought it was kind of fun. You got released from your classroom and you got to go on like this, you know, investigation in the library. You found the books, you opened the book, you read it. But it took what? It took a lot of time and effort time and effort, and you'd have to read material. Listen, if there's, a, if there's something I'm not sure about now, I do what Jim said. I Google it, and I can find a wide range of opinions and resources in just minutes, minutes. So I'll tell you what happens. Opinions are formed very quickly. Doesn't mean that the opinions are wrong, but there is, I do think there is something about the process that we go through as we come to our opinions, right? We have to wrestle with back and forth. As we wrestle with conflicting dialogue, sometimes it affects the way we treat those with whom we disagree, right? Because we've had to slowly engage with it. Now it's just like boom, 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 found the information. All right, this is what it is, and there we go. Interesting. What else about the state of thinking today? Sure, but uh, you hear people say, well, your truth is your truth, but my truth is my truth. Okay. And a prime example is that my coworker, he's, uh, he's so fixated on evolution and science. He says, well, what you believe is not what I believe. And we, we don't get to the point where we argue about it, but uh, um, 
So I just try to live out yeah. my faith in front of him and Amen. try to give him the gospel. Right. I think there's two sides to, to, to uh, what you brought up is something I was thinking. I think there's two things that we see. On the one hand, our thinking today is very technical and scientific. But then there's like a complete other school of thought, pun intended, that is very subjective or not anchored in any reality. And so you have these very extreme things that go on. And so in one conversation, sometimes with the same person, they could say, well, I believe this or I think this because of science and because of facts and data, yada, 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 yada. But then regarding something about their lifestyle or whatnot, then they might just say, well, I just feel that this is the way it should be. And it's, it's all of that. But what about Christian thinking? What about Christian thinking? How do we, let, let me ask you this. Let's do a second question as we get ready to dive into the text. So shift gears a little bit. We know as Christians we're called to be thinking people. In fact, there's a podcast, if you like podcasts, it's a podcast I really enjoy. It's not a daily one, and sometimes it's only every month or two. But it's called Thinking in Public, and it's Dr. Albert Moeller. Um, he's president of Southern, Theological, uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. But he does this series of interviews on a regular basis with different, quote-unquote, thought leaders in the world, some Christian, some non-Christian, and they just have a long, hour-long conversation about whatever topic or issue. It's called Thinking in Public. Some of them are dry, some of them are interesting, some of them are exciting, but he makes the point that of all people, Christians ought to be, ought to be the most thoughtful, engaged people. We shouldn't be the kind of people that just bury our heads in the sand and don't want to think about anything. So let me ask you this. And super, super practically speaking, in your life, what is keeping you from thinking? And I mean doing that serious thinking. What are the, what are the things that keep you from really thinking? Just being overtired, lack of rest. Absolutely. That's one. If we don't take care of our bodies, if we don't get rest, we can't think clearly. It's amazing how much... Uh, I have a pastor friend who talks about this all the time, just about how like, our spiritual body, our spiritual life is affected by our physical life, and overtiredness, yeah, 100%. What else keeps you from thinking, really thinking? I think the uh, overwhelming amount Well, I think it's screens in our faces, music in our ears. Like when you think about it, I have this, this is just a, um, so I, this is an opinion, so you can disagree with me and I'm perfectly okay with that. This is just opinion, but I th it's a thoughtful opinion. But I think like when it comes to, to entertainment and music, we weren't created to consume this amount, right? Like throughout all of human history, if you wanted to enjoy music, what did you have to do? <laughs> you had to pick up an instrument and play the music, literally, which meant you had to learn how to do that, which involved a lot of thinking. Or you had to sing. Or if you weren't so inclined to do that, what did you have to do? You had to go find someone else who would play it. 
in front of you, in real time, in real space. And then, and you, but now we just, it's like the whole background of our lives, right? It just, it's just nonstop. Now again, this is just opinion. Like, I don't like to, li- I'm not a person, I don't listen to music nonstop, okay? I just find it bombards my, my, my ability to think. You might disagree with that. Again, that's not Bible here. I'm just talking out loud about our, our thinking processes. Um, entertainment, same way, like Adam said, these screens. It is impossible to think clearly when somebody is telling you what to think. Or, or just simply, we call those amusements. Why? Because they distract us. Now, I do believe that those are gifts of God because we need that amusement. We need that entertainment to, 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 to find that release. But it can also be dangerous. Like every, every good gift has its negative side. What else? What else keeps you from really, really thinking? Can you just summarize it by saying information overload? Sure. Any, anything else? Busyness. Busyness. Yeah. Bu- busyness. Like, I, I'm in, in my job, I am responsible for coming up with new ideas. I'm responsible for solving unique problems and things like that. And I find that when I've got like a lot on my plate, like there's a lot of things to worry about and solve and busyness and stress, can't think at all. And then you take a day off, you do nothing, you actually rest, like the Bible says, which I have a really hard time actually doing that, obeying that. My wife will tell you that. But then sometimes you get up the next day and maybe this, you're not like this, but I'm like this. You get up the next day, you get in the shower, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, <laughs> out of nowhere, comes the thought to solve the problem or whatever. It's as if your body needed that release from the busyness. It needed that restoration of sleep, and you're, you've got this space to think clearly. Anything else keeps you from, from really thinking? And just accepting other people's thoughts. Just like not even... Oh, well, they said it must be right. They're smart. Not agitating them to think about it yourself. Wow. Like, that's my viewpoint now, which is, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my social influence, in whatever space that is, could be familial, could be celebrity, could be work. They think this, so groupthink. They call that groupthink, right? That's the word for it today. They think this, so I think this. Yeah. Any other thoughts before we move on? Now, look at this text. Okay, so we want to be a thinking people. So look at look here at First Timothy. This is a very interesting chapter. There's a, the notes that you have here talks about how that we need to meditate on the truth. You see there's kind of three movements here to the three points to the outline. It's this thinking about truth has to be contemplated cultivated. We need time for contemplation and then regular consumption. So there's a cultivation, contemplation, and then a time times of consumption of truth. So look at this um, this this passage here in First uh, Timothy four. Skip down with me to verses thirteen through fifteen. This is an interesting passage. Uh, we'll go. I want to go back and work through a little bit more, but I want to start with thirteen through fifteen. Paul from his prison cell to Timothy, who's been given the job of leading this church. He says to Timothy, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 
Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. In a nutshell, somebody walked me through like the, this here. Let's, let's look at it again, and you, you tell me what's the gist of what's going on here. If you could boil this down to like one statement. I'll give you a minute, but if you could boil this down to just a simple statement to paraphrase it, what would you say? So he says, till I come, give attendance to reading, exhortation, doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. I'm not looking for a, I'm not looking for you to give me a um, exposition of every point here, but just the gist of it. Like if there was, if you could take the, the main thrust of these verses, you had a statement for it, and read over it again. Be faithful to the word. Okay, great. Somebody else. I would say, like, like my, my this would be like, give you a brain for a reason, like use it. Okay. That sounds like your parents talking to you. You got a brain for a reason, now use it. How many of your parents ever said that to you? Anybody? Okay, all right. Okay, so there's a few of us. All right. Who had their hand up? Yeah, Jeff. Servanthood. Servant, okay. Servanthood, yeah, you're going to be a servant. What else? Let me give you, oh yeah, go ahead, Michael. Spoken like a true educator. Lifelong learner, lifelong teacher. Yeah. Now we all have to follow that one up. So anybody else? I'll give you my try at that. Um, I didn't write this down. I'm just doing it now with you too. So I'm thinking... How about this one? Lead by learning, people are watching. See that at the end there, it says that, that, that thy profit, profiting may appear to all. Keep learning. Prioritize your learning. Lead by learning. People are watching. Anything else? Anybody else? Something there from this passage. So let's walk through a little bit of the, verse, the verses. Back in 13, this is kind of cool. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Anybody know what this is talking about? You may, you, I actually found that this, this verse is a little easier to understand when you look at some, some other ways that word reading is translated. Um, because this is an accurate translation, but there's actually a little bit more to that word reading. And if you study the word, it actually has to do with public reading. The public reading of scriptures. This word reading in the Greek was the word that the, they would use when someone would stand up in the synagogue and open the scrolls. They would give the reading, the public reading. It's a really interesting word here. So what he's saying in this verse actually regard, is regarding to the gathering of the church. Remember, because this, this, this is given to Timothy 
as he is supposed to lead this church. He's a young man. If you back up to verse 12, go ahead back to verse 12. Let no man... Oh, actually, we should back up to 11. Look at 11. These things, what? Command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth. So, like, there's this, this authority challenge that might come up. Well, Timothy, you're a pretty young man. You're a pretty young man, Timothy. He's like, well, Timothy, live your life in such a way that no one would question your authority. So he says... Let no man despise the youth. Be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation, the way you live your life, and your love, and in your spirit, and faith, and purity. Until I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. That idea of give attendance, make this a priority. This should be the priority. This is why in, in Bible-based churches, the priority of the service must be the reading the exhortation, and the teaching. That's what doctrine means. So this is, so if we could paraphrase this, till I come, until I get there, Timothy, you need to prioritize the reading of the scriptures, the preaching, and the explanation of their meaning. That's the pattern of the New Testament church. That's what we're to do. How does, so what is that? This is showing us the importance of thinking it's, it's part of the reason that we gather is for our thinking to be focused on the Word. Word-focused. Word-focused. I heard a, uh, this was years ago, I heard an illustration. This was in, like, in Bible college. And they were teaching some young men. This might have happened in one of my classes. I can't remember if I heard this story or I experienced it. So forgive my memory. So the, what happened was there was a young man as they taught us all to preach, they're, they're teaching us how to do just this. We, we would win. We were trained to, to read, exhort, and give the doctrine. And somebody like had a message just filled with stories and personal illustrations and not a lot of word, you know, and it was kind of, they kind of fumbled through the sermon. And the homiletics teacher said to them, well, listen, when you're young, you're just getting started out, you just need to preach the text. They said, you just need to read the verses, explain what they mean. When you get a little older and a little more seasoned, if you want to use some, some of your stories and experiences and all of that, you know, that's fine. But for now, just, and I thought, and some of us thought, like, well, maybe that's just how we ought to stick to it the whole way through. Now, I don't think the teacher meant get away from the text. That's not what they meant. I think it was a helpful comment. But the point is, the, 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 the time in our Bible studies, and, and I love, that. that's why I think we, we have this time, which is more like a thoughtful teaching time where we get some give and take as we work through it. But this is all supposed to be part of our gathering. Why? Because it disciplines our thinking. That's why I like interactive sessions like this or on Wednesday night, because it, it helps us all think through the passage together. But then, interesting is verse number 14. In verse 14, it says, what's the, first, what's the first phrase? Two words, what? Yeah, do not neglect the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So here's the deal with Timothy. Timothy was called to lead this church. He's a young man, 
the presbytery would have been the pastors, or literally, that word presbytery, it literally means elders. So the elders of the church all gathered around Timothy. And he was ordained, really, to be the head of the elders. That's the, that's the, the pattern that you saw in a lot of, of the early New Testament church. You had, a group of, you had a group of elders who led the church as, the, as a group of pastors, and then Timothy here is given the responsibility of leading all of them, shepherding all of them. And so they come and they lay hands on him. It's a, it's a symbol of passing that responsibility. And when that happened, when they laid hands on him, there was a prophecy that was given. We don't know what it was, obviously. Was the Apostle Paul a part of it? We don't know. But there's a specific prophecy about how God was going to use him, how God had called him, and there was a gift that was given to him. The gift to to shepherd this church. The gift to be a... I mean, he's a subject of much of the New Testament. Really interesting. So that's the context. But I think the, the... so that application really doesn't apply to us because we didn't have our hands laid on us and a prophetic gift uttered over us. But I think there is an application for us in this. I think there is a spiritual principle that transcends that immediate context. What do you think it is? Miss Bailey, I see you're... Yeah. So there is a giftedness that he's given all of us. There is a working that God wants to do in all of us. It may not be the specific gift which Timothy received, but I think you're absolutely right. I don't think that's a stretch beyond the text to say that we ought to take that same admonition, that there's this ability for us to neglect what we have, to not sharpen our skills. It was... uh, it was Mrs. Bailey who drilled into me 1 Timothy 2.15 as a little kid in, in, um, in a PIO club, which is study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We looked at that verse over, and that was a theme verse, I think, wasn't it? I don't think it was a song when I was a kid. I think that might have come later on. I think that might have been... PIO 2.0. We got the cool treatment. So, the, you, the club had advanced beyond that level, I think. But, yeah, this whole idea that, that we have this gift, we're a student. What were you going to say, Jim? You had your hand up. Yeah, I was going to say that my thoughts on the prophecy was that uh, it may have been, not been the same type of prophecy as that Paul went through, but it could be like prophecy, like I can think of is when your dad felt the call to, to preach. Right. Uh, it was not Nobody stood up and was like right. pronouncing a prophecy, but God had certainly moved. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Prophecy is actually used in a few different ways in the Bible. We, another lesson, we'll unpack that one day. <laughs> but, but I think you're right. So any thoughts on this idea of not neglecting that gift? Anybody else with um, that? Thinking about, too, what Jim said, that, that God's called us for a specific use and purpose and wants to accomplish through us, just like he did Timothy. So we can neglect that. 
And by getting spiritually lazy or drifting into some of the distractions that we all spoke about earlier, it's a serious warning. So now let's look at verse 15. Verse 15 is, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. This is a great verse. We'll spend the, I only got like a couple of minutes, so I'm obviously not following the outline, but let's, let's talk a little bit about this verse here. So somebody get us started here on this verse. I don't want to do that. I'm going to sip my coffee. We've got three or four sips left. Sure, I think that's a good point. Like it's it's not just a laid back consumption. One of my favorite proverbs is in is chapter two, where it says, "My son, incline thine ear unto wisdom." And I always think I was actually reading this book that um, it's it's a fun, it's an interesting book. It's a book about uh, body language of all things and how you communicate with people and all that. But the author did this thing in the book. They said, "Lean forward." Just a couple of inches, just a little bit. Like don't, not uncomfortably, we're going to fall, right? Just, just they sit up, lean forward just a little bit, and see what it does. And if you do that long enough, it changes the way you feel. Like it, like puts this anticipation in you. And I think of that verse. I always thought of that verse: "Incline your ear." And like, if you're going to meditate, you've got to be, you've got to have that forward posture, like that inclination. The opposite of inclining would be what? <laughs> You're all doing great, okay? You're just laid back, right? So that hole at the edge of your seat, I think that's good, Adam. And so, Timothy, if you're going to take your calling seriously, if you're going to be a thinking Christian, the, the thinking needs to be active, not passive. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Other thoughts on this. What else is this verse teaching us? In fact, if you look back at verse 6, I don't know, Caleb, if you can do that real quick, go to 6, then we'll come back to 15. What James said, going, look, if you didn't hear him, going back to it multiple times, look what it says in verse number 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance. It's not about new information. It's about re-receiving the information. So back to verse number 15. Back to verse 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Let's move away from the meditating now. Somebody else, yeah. I haven't recently read all of First Timothy, so I may be out of context a bit here, but um, where he says, "Give thyself wholly to them," leaning back, back on uh, on verse thirteen to the public reading, exhortation, and doctrine. I think that's still what he's talking about. Absolutely. So was Timothy getting distracted from his what, from his preaching and teaching? And yes. Other things. And, and the answer is yes. I'm glad you brought that up. That is the context, actually. That is the precise context of 1 Timothy. Because 
he says, okay, this is your focus. Public reading of scriptures, uh, exhortation, get the scriptures out there, preach the Bible, explain the Bible through doctrine, because other things are distracting you. In fact, one of them specifically was back in verse number, um, oh, come on. Oh, here you go. Verse 7, but refuse. I'll give you, yeah. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. You'll find that there were schisms, there were divisions, and there was, there's also, if you go back into verse number one, go back to verse number one, for. The, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God. Prayer. Huge distractions in the church. Huge distractions. There were people that were, these Gnostic heresies were coming in. They were the super spiritualists of the day. And basically, they were telling the church they were giving a different kind of thinking that was a false pseudo spirituality. And they said, well, if you're going to be really spiritual, you need to deny your body. If you're going to be really spiritual, you need to stop, you, you can't be married. If you're going to be really spiritual, you shouldn't eat these foods. And Paul's like, to borrow a cultural expression, ain't got time for that. Right? Like, and, and then he's like, Timothy, you just don't worry about all that stuff. You don't get sidetracked by all, the, by all that. You know, you can eat whatever meat you want. Just say a blessing. <laughs> okay? Verse number, verse number five, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Say a blessing. God created all these. These are good gifts. And then he's like, in the verse we read a few minutes ago, don't, don't get distracted by all these theories and old wives' fables and all that. But just get to the Word. Get to the Word. The, the theme of our Bible college was preach the Word. We would sing. Our ministerial class would go, we'd gather twice um, a week. And we would sing this song, preach the Word. Be true to your call. Break the bread of heaven to all. For the Lord is surely coming soon Preach the word at morning, night, or noon. There are souls to rescue from sin. How many are the sinners you will win? Bring in the lost, whatever the cost, till all have heard. Preach. Preach the word. That was, we sang that twice a week for four years. And it, 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 but that's First Timothy here. It's like, till I come. You, 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 people's thinking, all of our thinking needs to be transformed. Our minds need to be review, re, re, renewed. And it's the Word of God that does that. So back in verse number 15, give thyself, give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. You'll be growing, Timothy. They'll be growing if you get focused on the Word. If your thinking is fixed on the Word of God. I've there are some people that would, you know, there are some churches that they want their pastor to be very political. 
you know, to speak about all the political issues of the day. And we've determined, I've determined to give myself wholly to the preaching of the word. What does the word say? Now, that doesn't mean we won't speak. When politics contradict the word of God, we speak. We, of course, we speak. But there are people that want, you know, commentary on this or commentary on that or, you know, Somebody uh, shared the story with you when the whole vaccine thing was going on. People asked my opinion about the vaccine. I'm like, I'm not a vaccine specialist. I'm not a medical specialist. I'm, I'm trying my very best to be a student of the word. Not so, I wouldn't say I'm a word specialist either. I'm trying to be. But that's what, we're, that's what the, the, the ministry of the church is. It's the, it's the word. That thy prophet may appear to all. So we're out of time. But I... I enjoyed the discussion today, and I hope that, that we can all be resolved that we build our lives, we build our church on our thoughts, our thinking being changed, our minds being renewed by the word of God. Let's, let's pray. Dear Lord, we pray that you would help us as we continue this morning to hear your word and fellowship with your people and sing your praises. God, we want to glorify you and as Timothy, we want to profit spiritually. We want to grow in our faith. So build our lives and build our church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're dismissed for a few minutes.